Hey guys, my name is Mavi, and for the last 14 years, I've worked in the plastic surgery industry under top board certified plastic surgeons. In that time, I have gained extensive knowledge about surgical procedures, pre and post-op care, as well as non-invasive or minimally invasive treatments. My passion to educate and help women feel empowered in their surgical decisions led to what we now know as the Big Butts No Lies podcast. Join in on the fun as I chat with plastic surgery experts, friends, and real-life patients about all things plastic surgery. Should be fun! Hey guys, we're back! And I have some really good and amazing guests today. I have Annalisa back with us. Hey, hey. (laughs) But we also have somebody new, a very good friend of mine, Diana. Introduce yourself. Hello, Diana here. Nurse 14 years, recently... Introduced to the plastic surgery world, so I'll chime in with my two cents since I had my first plastic <laughs> surgery last year and a little more of a background there, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> cool. But she she has really good input for us because she is a nurse that took care of patients yeah. after surgery. She's so knowledgeable about it. She saw a lot of our post-op patients and she can give us some insight. I have a really good topic today and I'm really excited to get, you know, some information out there with the plethora of misinformation that there is out on the internet. True. With every aspect of plastic surgery. Today, I thought would be a good idea for us to talk about initial consultations. Good one. Okay. So this is the thing too. Mavi always throws me a curveball. <laughs> and I don't like her to tell me what we're going to speak about until... The day. The day. <laughs> so that we can make it organic. But also, too, it makes it a little bit more real. fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Real. You know. More real. Exactly. Yeah. So you decided you want to have plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Now what? What do you do? Yeah. You don't really know where to start. Where do you start? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of go through what my recommendation would be for one of somebody, a friend, a mom my patient, what I would recommend for them to do. And then I want you, Annalisa, and you, Diana, to chime in with advice, tips. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So first, tell me about your, how your first consultation went. So my first one was actually awkward. I want to say that. Isn't everybody's though? I think so, because you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what to ask. And at that time, like, I don't know, what was it, like 10 years ago? Who knows? There wasn't enough information on the internet for us to research and say, hey, what do you what do you want or what do you don't want? And it was a quote unquote mommy makeover. Oh. You know? So it's kind of like, you know, you don't have someone to lean on to ask questions right to give educated answers you are looking at the internet and you think oh my gosh there's all this information and who do i look to who do Mm -hmm. i trust where do i go to what surgeon do i go to and so for me it was just going in and i kind of set back you know i was like you know what I'm not ready at this time, which is okay. It happens. And it's good that you went in and you realized, hey, I'm not ready. Yeah. And that's why we have that episode. Exactly. Am I really ready for surgery? Yeah. Because that was my biggest thing. It was just, I I knew I wasn't ready. 
or anything like that? My first consultation, even though I had been in, you know, Industry. thousands of consultations mm-hmm. with uh, with patients, right. I, I myself hadn't had one. And it was interesting being on the other side, the one opening the gown. Yeah, you know, that's the weirdest part. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like timid and you're like, oh, my gosh, what do you're I gonna do? You're going to see. And, and then on it's the like, other oh. other side, they're like, oh, they seemed it all. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because you do kind of feel like. When you're on the other side, when you're yeah. not the one opening the gown, you're like, I see this every day. Yeah. You know, absolutely, it, it's nothing I haven't seen. But when you are the one opening your gown, you're like, ah. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward. So the doctor that I saw was great. He was mm-hmm. very nice. He explained everything, even though I had heard it thousands of times. It just clicks different when it's pertaining to you. For sure. Absolutely. Right. And too, and you click with the doctor because they, it's, it's almost like a relationship too. Mm-hmm. It's like you, they get you, you get them. We get each other. Yes, exactly. So, so yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, the tips to find the right surgeon for you. Okay. So, so what I would say is definitely, okay. And also too, you have to remember where you're from. So if you're in Houston, if you're in Miami, if you're in New York, if you're in California, you have to go to that Mecca of those board certified plastic surgeons. But we obviously have great boards, but go to plasticsurgery.org, type in your zip code. It's as simple as that. And there's going to be a list. Yeah. There's a list of basically surgeons that pop up and then it's your job as a patient to kind of go through those and figure out if. Which one works for you. Yeah. I have that. I kind of have an outline of how I would think a patient can find the right doctor mm-hmm. kind of having a, a good top three. Also too, making sure that you're looking at, even though they're board certified plastic surgeons, what their specialty is, because they can be, you know, specialty in face, they can be specialty in body or, you know, head to toe, who knows, (laughs) you know, but if, if you're looking for breasts and you're going to a, a face doctor, even though he's a board certified plastic surgeon, Right. It doesn't make sense. So that's so making why. sure like you're connecting all those dots and if they can do it all great, but just make sure that they can do it all. Make sure that they can do it all. Right. My way of recommendation is one, ask your friends and family. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you have an, an instinct that somebody had some work done and you like the work that they've had done, yeah. ask them, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I've noticed you look great. Would you mind sharing your doctor with me? And the best billboard and marketing material for a doctor is a happy patient. Yeah, absolutely. And they're walking billboards. Mm -hmm. So everyone, we've said this over and over, everyone knows 10 people. Mm -hmm. And even if you're having drinks or you're out for dinner, you're out with sharing. you're at a soccer game. Yes. It doesn't matter. And you look (laughs) Banging. <laughs> you look great. Your girlfriend is going to say, oh my God, you what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then you share your story 
you're literally a walking billboard for that surgeon. So it's great. Yeah, it's great to get recommendations from yeah. friends, from family. If they don't know anybody, it's a real life they have met somebody or they know somebody who had a great work mm-hmm. and they're going to give you recommendations. So if I were to tell you the best place for you to find a surgeon is word of mouth. Yeah. If you have. First off. Yes. Yes. Word because of mouth. you can see that with your own eyes, you have. That recommendation. I mean, we do that with our hairdressers. We do that with nails. our nails. Yeah, Everything. exactly. Why is your doctor any different? Any different, yes. So ask for recommendations from your friends. And then if you don't want to talk to your friends about it, if you want to keep it top secret, then I suggest going to the yeah, so American go, Society of Plastic Surgery exactly. website and exactly. looking through your zip code to find the best doctors in your area. And then... Look through their websites. Yeah. Look at their before, before and, and after pictures. Yep. Decide who has the best style that clicks with you and what you're mm-hmm. looking for. And then another thing, too, is doing multiple consultations. Yes. That's my next step. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Next I don't step? even know these questions that she's going to ask me. I know. She didn't look at my outline. I don't like to do that because... I need it organic. But at the same time, no, because it's one of those things where you, you think you know what you want, but you might not know what you want and you don't know what you want. So that's the next step is to do your education and to reach out and to ask friends, families that have done that, do your research online, talk to the surgeons because every surgeon is different too. That's another thing. That's another thing. Basically just because one surgeon says one thing doesn't necessarily mean that another surgeon will give you the same recommendation or is wrong, right? It's wrong. No, they're not. It's just a different specialty in their own right. And if they've been doing it for 30 plus years, then they're going to, you know, they're going to know what to do and they're going to (laughs) be honest with you. They're going to guide you in the right direction. Correct. But knowing if you have three consults, One doctor could tell you, hey, for your breast, I suggest an implant. And then you go to your second consultation and they're like, hey, actually, I think you need an implant and a lift. And then you go to your third consultation and they're like, no, you just need a lift. Yeah. But they could all three coincide and say, no, you do need just a breast augmentation or a breast lift. Then you always have to look at different uh, steps. Is the price range... Yeah. And then also to making sure that you are expressing what your goals and expectations are, because the surgeon is it's almost like working backwards. So if you tell the the surgeon that you want X, whatever, Mm -hmm. then he's going to tell you or she's going to tell you how to get to that goal. If you give them wrong expectations or if you show them a picture that you like or you don't like, you know, they're going to tell you how to get to that, but you have to be honest with yourself because some patients, they'll come in and say, I want this, but they really want something else. Right. And they don't really know until they're you there. You see it. Yeah. Right. And then also to the education with the surgeons, the most experienced surgeons will basically just say, hey, you know what? I hear you, but it really sounds like you're telling me something else. Mm-hmm. And then they'll kind of coach you as to guide you as far as what they think that you're asking them, but you don't know how to ask them. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's weird to say it that way, but it's like like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So right, it's it it needs to be clear cut what you want, what your goals are. Once you know that, then the surgeon is cut and dry with what they can deliver. For example, it went, uh, one of the, I know we talk always very vaguely, mm-hmm. but I want to be very more specific okay. on that topic. For example, if you are unhappy with the way your breasts look yes, and your, your surgeon is, t- you tell your surgeon, I just, I need more volume. Mm-hmm. And that's all you tell them. I just want them to be bigger. That's I just not want specific. Them to, you're just, that's not yeah. being very specific right. when for example, if you've nursed and now your breasts are very deflated and they're lower mm-hmm. than they were before you breastfed, yeah, you are telling your surgeon, I just want my volume back. Yeah. But you might not just want your volume back. You might want your volume and your position. So shape and volume are two different things. Exactly. So what I try to explain or try to teach patients is, And this is kind of weird, but I'm going to say it. I'm like, as a woman, take your bra off, whatever, put your hands on your breast. Is it enough volume in your hand or not enough? Okay. If it's enough, great. Now we just need to talk about shape of that volume. Mm -hmm. So you have to definitely like separate those two things because they're not the same. They're not the same. Because some patients come in and they think like, you know, old days, Pamela Anderson, you know, mm-hmm. circle, you know, round breast that's like augmented, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, no, you can still have augmented breasts, but in a different shape and look so more sh- natural. Yeah. So shape and volume size that is in your hand are totally two different things. So once you know what the volume size is, then we talk about the shape. Right. Of that volume. Right. So now let's go to the day of your consultation. Okay. Now you're in your consultation day. What are some things that you think patients should take note of on the date of their consultation? One, the office staff, for sure. Like how easy it is to be accessible to them. I think that's great. Obviously, you've already checked out the surgeon because you're already there. So you know that it's a board certified plastic surgeon. By the time you're going to your consultation, I want you to have looked through their website. Yeah. I want you to make sure that they're board certified plastic surgeons. And you can always ask the coordinators, hey, send me some information Mm -hmm. that is not on your website that I can look into. That's okay, too. You can always ask that question. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I I think one of my notes here that I want my patients, my listeners to take note on is mm-hmm. how easy it was to contact the office. Was yeah. it was it easy to get an appointment? How far out was your appointment? Yeah. It, but that's tricky because the far out one are the busier ones. Exactly. And they're busy because they're good. Exactly. (laughs) So you don't necessarily want a surgeon that can get you in tomorrow. Right. So there's a fine line. That's what I mean by take note of how Mm. soon could you get in? Yeah. If you were able to get in very quickly and they have surgery dates very soon and, you know, they're an established practice that's been in practice for 20 years. It, 
you know, for me, I would be like, why are they, why are they so open? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Especially like when surgeons, you know, the, the ones that have been in practice for like 30 plus years, they, they charge 250, 500 bucks for just a consultation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It does go towards typically the consultation. It goes towards the surgery, but at the end you have to understand that they book out because they're that great. Mm -hmm. And consultation fees, let me tell y'all, when I wasn't working, I worked with a really great surgeon and we, uh, this was, you know, 10 years ago and he was really great, but we had a lot of no-show new consultations and they would take up a lot of time on our schedule and then that could also be given to somebody someone else. else. So it's like, be considerate of someone else's time as well. So those patients that really, really want to have surgery and want to get in, you're taking away that time and they're like, Oh, I just forgot, you know? Right. That's so that's cool. why, pe- that's why a lot of doctor's offices, restaurants, anywhere, you they're going to charge, they're going to take your yeah. deposit. I mean, for sometimes to get your eyelashes done, They'll take your deposit. Yeah, I mean, even go. So this this is crazy for me because I tell patients because they'll come in for like a mole removal or something small, right? And it's a minor procedure. We can do it, you know, early in the morning. It's super easy. But at the same time, they're questioning, why are you charging me this amount for this? And I'm like, well, if you go to your derm and if you go to use your insurance, you're still going to be you're still paying. Out of, paying that cost. <laughs> so it's either you're paying us or them. Like you it's, get to pick, but your insurance still have the same fee is set. No exactly. Matter who does it. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So consult day, this is some, you know, I want you guys to be completely honest with your doctor and who's taking your medical history. Yeah. It does not matter. One what you did, when you did it, who mm-hmm. you did it with. We don't care. Yeah. We just want you to tell us the truth. Because then we have to be that person to tell you to discontinue something. Mm-hmm. You know, Any medications that you're taking that could affect your surgery mm-hmm. or could have, you know, for like example, aspirin. birth control or aspirin or, aspirin. or hormones or hormones. Or, yeah. You know, anything like that. All we, of those things need to be disclosed, disclosed. Your surgeon needs yeah. to know. Everything that you're putting in your body, do not. If you're taking phenamine and you think that you're right. going to get oh, away yes. with it, <laughs> you're, you're gonna, not. You are not. <laughs> there are a lot of repercussions if you, yeah. I mean, you could get yourself in a situation that could be prevented if you would you would be honest with right. the medications. And I think on. that comes with that surgeon and patient relationship where that's where if you're if you're comfortable with your surgeon you're going to disclose that information and that's why it's so important to build a right. good honest relationship with yeah. your surgeon and even for afterwards too because from the front end you're setting it up to where your expectations are when you're recovering with the staff and with your surgeon you're you know, letting them know your anxieties, your worries, worry, yeah, anything like anything. that. And then throughout the year, whatever it might be, you're saying, hey, I like this. I don't like this. Let's communicate. Mm-hmm. Communication huge. is everything. Yes. There's everything. no dumb question either. That's another 
great thing. If you're patient about it, it, then ask. Ask it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because if anything, you can just ask, call call up the surgeon or the MP or whoever is your contact person and say, hey, I have this question. And now with telemedicine and COVID, we're used to doing, you know, over the phone, over the phone and it's easy. It's easy. Just There's ask that no question. You why. don't have to come into the office for us to say, oh, no, that's normal. So that goes back to why it's so important for it to be easy to get a hold of somebody in the yeah, office absolutely. because you want it to be easy to ask a question that, you know, pops up in your mind yeah. at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. And you, right? you're like, and for us, it's like normal. But for the patient, they don't know what they don't know. And they're worried. And, you know, they need to be able to contact someone as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And that's crucial. Yeah, that's I agree. on your Good checklist. Point. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> uh, another thing on your consultation day, did you meet with the surgeon or did you meet with Ooh. a coordinator only? That's when are you supposed to meet the surgeon? Yeah. So for me personally mm-hmm. and for any of my friends or my family, and I want to encourage my listeners, you want to see your surgeon the day yeah. of your consultation. You yeah. do not want to. Especially if you're paying like 250 or 500 bucks. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> or even, I mean, even if it's it really a free is. consult. Yeah. You want to see the surgeon. You want to yeah. know like. What do you, what does he think? What does she think? What's her recommendation? And that I'm going to cross board with that because of the online consultations that we do now. Mm -hmm. He does see the actual photos, but it's not necessarily where it's the same as an in-person consultation because we do 3d imaging, right? You know, so that's, different with the face. You know, if you're having a rhinoplasty, of course we can tell you, yes, we're going to, you know, take down your dorsal hump. We're going to, you know, contour your tip. You might have weirs that need to be taken in, you know, something like that. But for the most part, you, uh, you know, as a first time or, or not first time, I guess, doing a consultation in person and doing the imaging is very important because you get to see that before and after simulation what it could possibly look like. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think it just depends on certain patients. Some patients are, they'll come in and they're like, Hey, whatever, whatever, whatever but, he wants. That's good. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, I want people to be cautious yeah. for, You know, because we've worked with reputable, good surgeons and we know that they're good. But for our listeners who are maybe somewhere where they have no, no, or they, they don't have the access to the information that we do. Right. So it would raise a red flag in my mind if I go to initial consultation and I don't get to meet the surgeon. So I I want that to raise a red flag on my listeners minds because they should meet. That's a good point. They should meet them. Absolutely. I want to also touch on, did you feel like your questions were answered? Did you feel understood mm-hmm. about your con- areas of concern where yes. they addressed? So good thing is to take notes during your consultation, but also to, to take notes prior to your consultation. Write your questions down. Yes. So put a little note by your bedside because we think in the shower, we think when we're sleeping, you know, going to bed at night, those thoughts are coming in. Mm-hmm. You can notate. I don't, I mean, if you, if you're a notator and you like to write or you, you're on your Do iPhone, a memo on your phone. Yeah, exactly. 
you do that, but just keep that running checklist so that when you do go to your consultation, you don't forget to ask those questions because some patients get in there and they're like, I have this question and I forgot to ask it. And, you know, they call later and then it's like, okay, we could have answered that super easy. And that would have made the decision between them scheduling or not scheduling. Well, let's give our listeners questions that they should be asking. Maybe okay. they don't even know. What am I supposed to be asking? Yeah. So so I would say, of course, if you're already there, you know, they're reputable board certified plastic surgeons. You one know. question. Yes. Let's think about but, the whole process like okay. for a patient in a patient's point of view. Mm-hmm. What? Well, I think it depends should... on the procedure too. Definitely. So but if general, like, am I spending the night? Yeah. Well, it depends on the procedure. So, and certain surgeons, they require you to spend the night and some don't. Right. Even though it's the procedures, even though it's the same procedure. That's true. If it's in a surgery center or in a hospital, that's another question (laughs) (laughs) to ask. We have a lot of answers for you. I promise. Yeah. So, but those are good questions. Am I staying overnight? Um, um, Am I going to stay with me? Yes. If I am, who's picking me up? What time am I getting picked up? What to expect the first or second week? After the procedure, because usually the first and recovery time. Yeah. The first and the second week are usually no matter what you do, whether it's face or body, the first and the second week are the toughest. Yes. They're, they're tough. Some patients have even asked me in the past, can I speak to a patient that has had surgery? I love doing, I used to, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that too. And I have a lot of patients that they'll, they're open. They're like, absolutely call me. It's no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) It's no big deal. So, you know, things like that, if it makes the patient feel comfortable, that's the more at ease, ease. because there's so much stress that goes into the recovery process that if you're good on the front end, you're a healthy patient, you ask the right questions and you are honest and open with the expectations that you know that are going to come about mm-hmm. and you trust your surgeon, the rest should be gravy. Piece of cake. No big deal. That's why I, I'm i going to put a list on the website. I'm going to write okay. a blog about it. Oh, that's about a good like, idea. What are, if you take these steps, yeah, you are going to have a good you know, plastic surgery journey. Uh-huh. Of course, we can never predict any complications, but yeah. if you do your homework and you pick a reputable board certified plastic surgeon, that brings your right. risks down a down. little bit. Yeah. If you are honest are with honest, your medical history, that's a huge one. That's a huge one that brings your risks down. down. Mm-hmm. If you're educated about what your aftercare is going to be like, and yeah. you are already kind of prepared for you know, needing help that first week. Yeah. And someone also too, that is going to be supportive with your recovery. Correct. Because if you have someone that's going to be super negative, it's not going to be a good recovery. No, we covered that on another. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, please have someone that's positive, motivating. That's going to get you up and take care of you and uplift you during your recovery, which is tough. You're, you're down. Really? They should be your coach. They should be, you know, Actually, can you touch base on that real quick? Well, I actually wanted to chime in. Um, Something that I think is really important is, I mean, I'm a nurse, so I went into my first consultation not shy at all. I mean, I just took off my top. I was ready for her to do her spill and tell me what she recommended for my breast dog. 
And I know, I don't know if you remember because I know you were there, but I was very adamant that I didn't want over a full C. Like mm-hmm. I was just obsessed with this one size that I had in my head that I thought was what I wanted. But I was, I had to really be open-minded and coachable and let her, and I was very impressed because my doctor was there and she measured, she did her measurements and explained that because of my frame that, you know, this size would be more appropriate. And I was like, oh my God, like, no, that's, that's a big not number. what I wanted. That's a big number. In my head, I had this letter that I was thinking was going to be no matter what. And when she said that letter, I was like, oh no, that's too big, way too big. But I had to be open-minded and understand that she's the expert. This is what she's explaining to me. And I am ever so thankful that I did listen because I could have been very hard-headed and been like, nope, that's too big. That's bigger than what I want. I'm going to stick with the size I want. And I would have been so upset to exactly. have would've. these little lemons on my chest because I have a wide frame, <laughs> you know? So I'm so glad. And, you know, back then I had lost a lot of weight. So I had this magic letter in my head that I thought at the time would look good on me. And OMG, we all know after pandemic, we all kind of, you know, put on a couple of pounds and I would have been so upset. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was open-minded and, and coachable. So maybe you have an idea in your head that of you what? have to trust the yes. expert. Trust the expert. For sure. And I'm so glad I did. <laughs> it, trust them when they're telling you, hey, your frame, you know, looks, it's a little bit bigger. Let's look at your measurements. Of course, you want, it's a very good green flag when you're having a breast consultation and your breast surgeon measures your breast. If they're not getting measured, I would think twice about that. <laughs> I agree too. And great surgeons will, you know, measure, but also to no proportion. So mm-hmm. you want your shoulder, your breast, your hips, your butt to all be proportionate. You know, proportionate. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You want it to match if you want the natural look. Now, right. if you don't want the natural look, okay, that's fine. <laughs> you can do that. You do you. But the majority of the time, patients are coming in and they're saying, I want it to be natural. I don't want my friends to know. I don't want to have that conversation. On the other side, though, yeah. I've had patients that are like, put in as much but, fat, yeah. <laughs> give me as big a butt. Can I use my friend's fat? Yeah. <laughs> she said she would give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So there's all the, there's definitely two sides of the spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. But just once again, being honest with what you are looking for. Right. Be honest with what you're asking for and you will receive what you're looking for. There you go. <laughs> Perfectly said, mommy. <laughs> so now they've had their consult. They've had to take the robe off. Their doctor has given them the recommendation. They are now at the quote. Okay. Part. So the biggest thing about that is knowing what your finances are. And so we obviously are doing this selectively. We don't want to have any patient. I don't care if they're seniored or you know, in their twenties, whatever, go into debt because of this. So we always encourage to use care credit. It's six months at 0% interest that our practice uses at ACPS, but every practice is different. They're contracted. And I think a lot of times patients call in and they're like, well, you know what? This other practice says it's 12 months. And I'm like, okay, well, they that might be true, but our practice is six months. <laughs> We're contracted. So, and every practice is different. Yeah, it, it, it's different. So, dental practices, they even use it for 
vets. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But yeah, it's like once you get your finances in order. So let's once say- you get who's going to help you after surgery, then you pick your surgery date. I want to point out and I want our listeners to when they get their quote, Mm -hmm. you want it to be as detailed and possible for sure. Itemized. Make sure before you leave that office, you understand what's included. Yep. What's not included. Exactly. What procedures specifically you're having done. Mm -hmm. Like for example, if you're having liposuction, Make sure that all of the areas that you talked about are on there. Are your garments included? Are your garments included? Does it include any aftercare, any massage, any nurse visit? Uh, Is anesthesia included or do I have to pay that separately? Yeah, because usually at a hospital, they can send you like an outside bill afterwards, which is kind of weird because we don't have to experience that. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, we do everything up front 10 days before and then the patient doesn't have to worry about it at all. No, because you're worried about your recovery. You shouldn't be worried about getting a bill. Exactly. So you want all of that to be upfront and you don't want to get any surprise bills, you know, in in a month when you're in recovery, you get a, you know, hospital bill and you're like, whoa, I thought this was included in my surgery. And you come to find out that it wasn't. So it's very important for you to be as thorough as possible with that quote and make sure that, Y'all both, you understand and whoever's helping you understand. Yeah. And that's what I said. Like as a patient coordinator, I feel honestly that I'm the conduit between the surgeon and the patient. Right. So my job is to work for the patient as well as the surgeon, but also to make sure that they mesh well and that both of their goals, both of their expectations, both of their, just whatever they want is black and white. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all we want. And then if it's kind of the risk reward situation. So if we feel that, you know, the patient's not going to be happy, then maybe we'll encourage them to search other consultations. Yeah, exactly. And like we said, go to a couple of three. I always recommend. And that's why we itemize it out because some patients are price shoppers, which is okay. Cause I mean, you can price, you can price shop all you want. That's not a big deal, but at the same time, you you make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. Yes. Because someone down the street, I think we've talked about this before is not going to be the same surgeon for a lesser price. Right. So you have to think about that. So let's talk about some things that a patient should consider when they're picking their surgery date. Okay. So I know for what I would recommend uh, some of my patients was if they were looking at liposuction Mm -hmm. and they were going to have a lot of liposuction, I would usually recommend for them to do it during the colder months so they could hide their faja. Yeah, true. But at the same time in Texas, hey, we're always hot. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of hot. Put the AC on. (laughs) That's true. So also make sure, like, for example, if you have small kids, you want to make sure that you're going to have help and consider how Mm -hmm. the ages of your kids, are they Uh, Are they still babies? Do they need to be carried or like one year olds where Mm -hmm. you need to pick them up 
and they want you to pick them up because after surgery, you can't pick up usually over 10 pounds. But even I'll give you an example and sorry, mom, for throwing this out there, but she was a bilingual (laughs) ESL teacher and she would come home. Sometimes she'd have like light colored pants on and I would see like a ring around her pants and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what is that? And she goes, oh, the kids after recess come and hug me. You know, oh, really? So that's so sweet. It, it is sweet, but at the same time, it's the same thing with the kids after surgery. Yeah, like they go up to mom and they, they just want to hug. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But what do you say? Don't hug me. Don't hug no. me. No, you, you can't just say let that. Them hug you. But I mean, I know when I had my surgery, my yeah. kids knew. Hey, mommy's has some. Mm-hmm recovering to do she's gonna be in her room (laughs) let her sleep but you i would if like my son was about 18 months old Uh no maybe older but he's he still liked to be carried so i would have him just crawl up on my legs yeah so i could hold him the process yeah but knowing that you know as a mom you are gonna need help if you have small children yeah with a breast augmentation you might not need as much help, but you're still going to need help because you're not lifting. Well, you're not lifting and your, you know, your pec muscles. I mean, we use our ab muscles, our pec muscles to do everything, mm-hmm. you know, and as moms, we're like, go, 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 go. You mm-hmm. know, we so, have to tell ourselves to slow down and to stop. <laughs> That's why summer is summer and spring break, winter break are such hot. Literally. <laughs> such hot months for picking a surgery date yeah like spring break moms love spring break because they're like i don't have to wake up i don't have to drop off kids at school like i can just but then it's opposite because i've i've noticed too depending on the profession that's true because like teachers want summer yeah you know um if they do taxes or something they want they have to wait till after tax season (laughs) exactly so i think it goes hand in hand but you know you, you know what your family situation is yeah, and you, you communicate that with your surgeon and you communicate that with your coordinator and they're going to coach you and guide you and say, Hey, no, you know what you have? Let's wait. Yeah. Let's wait. This isn't the appropriate time to do it. This is going to be the better time to do it. But that's the whole point about being honest with them with everything. One thing I do, another thing, I always have one thing, but it's very, very many things. (laughs) I do want to talk about like, don't book your surgery knowing that you're supposed to be on a flight a week later or knowing that you might have, you know, a very Mm -hmm. important event in two weeks after your surgery because nobody can predict how your recovery is going to be. Yeah, absolutely not. I would say two weeks for no matter what you're doing, head to toe, two weeks for sure. Like, it's kind of like two weeks is kind of like a just to be safe. That's it. Two yeah. weeks. Two weeks for sure. I mean, if you're doing a full like head to toe, of course, you're going to have longer. But right. two weeks, if you pencil that in to your schedule, just kind of finding time when you can be down and yeah. out for two weeks. And having hope during for two that weeks. time. May I honestly, I think the first week is the toughest and the you know, the hardest on you. So I think definitely having help that first week Mm -hmm. is crucial. That second week, they can, you know, leave you during the day. You'll, you kind of get the hang of things after this. You have a system. Yeah. But 
yeah, you, you basically get the hang of things after that point. Yeah. So when are you going to have your child care? Are you, if you have yeah. any children, how long is your recovery time? Uh, where are you going to stay? If you have a, if you have a two story house and you have a tummy tuck, where are, are you, you going to, yes. Are you going to go up the stairs or do you are have you somewhere stay to downstairs? stay? Are you gonna do you stay have upstairs? any patients that you've seen that you were like, oh my gosh, this was crazy. She was not prepared or anything like that. Yeah, I would say, I would say for sure for a handful of different reasons. And I was going to chime in on the picking the date. I would say it's also good not to pick a date. Like say you're taking off of work on the 21st. I'm going to have surgery on the 22nd because there's so many things I think that people don't think about like your environment, your setup for how you're going to even take a shower. Like, do you have a removable shower head? They're super cheap. If you love your shower head the way it is, you can get a super cheap one at Walmart just for this, because believe me, like going in patients' houses and helping them, it's 100% easier if you got that detachable shower head to focus on areas and without going into too much detail. Like, it's just the little things that you don't think about. Like, I've gone in stocking homes. Stocking your fridge. Stocking your fridge. If you know you're not going to have somebody for that extended time to help you with meals and you're okay, there's nothing wrong with eating something that's been frozen, but it makes your life 100% easier if you know you're not going to have someone that can cook for you, or maybe the person that's helping you isn't the best cook in the world, and you're not going to want to rely on DoorDash or Uber Eats or any of that kind of stuff. Whatever you prefer to eat, or you feel like you'll be comfortable eating after surgery, just meal prep. Meal prep, meal prep and have those frozen meals there so whoever's helping you has can just stick them in the microwave for you and do that. Where are you going to be recovering as far as where you're laying down? Like, you know, I know it gets real specific, like BBL, this and that. Like, you know, the, so many people had the recliners. Some, I even went to a patient's house that had like rented a recliner, like an electric recliner just for the recovery process for her uh, mommy makeover. And then I've gone to homes where there was absolutely no, you could preparation. tell preparation at all. And they just struggle. They're stressed out. And I mean, you try to ease their anxiety and try to ease their stress and say, it's okay. You know, we can make accommodations. We can use pillows. We can use blankets and help them make an arrangement that's better because it makes all the difference in the world. Like your positioning. I've gone to homes where they had no preparation, didn't know how to position themselves, didn't have a recliner and they're having intense back pain because they're not laying in a safe or comfortable position in the bed. So like all those things matter. I would say like, what your bathing arrangement's going to be. Do you have a walk-in shower? If there's nowhere for you to sit down in the shower, if you're able to sit, depending on your procedure. I've had people that are prepared and even got like a little shower stool. People that aren't prepared, you know what? It's okay if you have a fresh folding chair, you can put a towel over. Things like that, just to have them ready and know, okay, I don't have this, but I can set this and this and this up if I don't have time and I forgot and my surgery's in a couple of days. But I would say definitely have a couple of days before your surgery to give yourself, to time, give yourself to time to prep and think about all those things so you don't have to worry about it after your surgery or stress out the person that's helping you. Because you want to be kind of as prepared and relaxed as you can during your recovery. Definitely. That way you have a easier recovery and better results. At the end of it, okay, well, the end goal is better results or the results that you're looking for. If you are stressing out you can't position yourself you have you know abnormal swelling because of the position that you're in or you have you know more pain in general more pain yeah people who are in pain tend to not drink as much tend to not eat as much then they have other complications they end up getting constipated they're having a hard time they can't go to the restroom so it's just one little thing can snowball into other a bunch of other things that are just so preventable if you're just prepared right so preparation is 
key. Yeah. And <laughs> definitely don't wait until after your procedure to start thinking about post-op care. No, for sure. So, no. no, definitely <laughs> not. You need to worry about your post-op care the day of your consultation. Once you yeah. figure out, okay, these are the procedures that I'm having done. These are what recoveries I expect or what the recovery I'm expecting to be. Yeah. And this is how I'm going to prepare. And then also too, I didn't mention this and it just came into my thought process right now, but you think someone is going to be capable of helping you like the guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I've had guys come into post-ops and pass out on the floor because yeah, not they blood. are not as strong as, as women. Hey, hey. But <laughs> you you have to know the person is what I'm the, saying. If they're capable if of they're it. If they're capable of it. If they've yeah. experienced it. If they have a thick stomach. Because some of those procedures, taking a shower. Oh, my goodness. That's it's why like, for, for me, holy if moly. you can have a nurse yeah. to come help you take your That's first shower. That's the best thing ever because, one, it's education. They'll because teach it's you how. To do everything. Diana, yes. our nurse yes. here, she was so great. All of our patients would come back and for their initial consult because we had it set up. So they would have their surgery. The next day, Diana is seeing them, helping them, whatever they need. And then they're seeing us the second day and by the time they're coming back to see us they're like oh my god diana was great she helped she gave me a bath or she gave me a shower she showed me how to clean she you know did everything i'm so glad she came and we would give that to our patients but if you if your surgeon doesn't offer it uh you can find a nurse you can go online i'm gonna try to build a list of nurses that we trust yes and we have a, s a specific ones and Usually the top plastic surgeons, they will have a Rolodex of, of nurses. nurses that they trust and they, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, just call them. It is a third party. So keep that in mind. It, that uh, if, but, if it's not coming through your surgeon, you're yeah. most likely going to have to pay for it out of pocket. Sure. Yeah. And it could range anywhere from 100 to $200 a visit. Yeah, but it could. And then there's also services out there that they use like the Airbnbs mm -hmm. and a recovery I, house. Yeah. Recovery. Basically I've had a patient come in from Dubai and she stayed for almost three, three and a half weeks here in a recovery. House? Yeah. Oh, that's it. Nice. And she was like, okay, well, this is my stay cave. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this. The kids are at home and this is what I'm doing. You know, and, and I was I like, bet she had a great recovery. And she was fine. You know, it was good. We could check up on her, um, any, you know, time of the day. And she was taken care of as she knew what she, to do. And once she got on the plane, she was fine. Perfect. Yeah. So it's good education. So to have someone that is knowledgeable. Like a nurse. Diana, I what? want you really quick, not to not to diss the supportive spouses or significant others, but even <laughs> the sweetest, most loving significant other I have seen can be squeamish or too soft where they don't want to hurt you. And that garment process after you had your first shower is the most tedious thing in the world. It's the most you need to take some pain medication before. Right. And I always was really good about trying to communicate with my patients and say, okay, what's your last pain medication? Because you want to time everything accordingly and just keep in mind like if your super sweet spouse is your support system that's going to be helping you i would even just have that talk and say okay now do you think you're going to be able to do this and have a backup plan 
I would definitely say always have a backup plan just in case, because it's not until they're actually there that you're like, okay, they can't do this. And whoever your plan B is should definitely yeah, be, be available. Be a phone call away. Right. Only a phone right, call for away. For sure. Let, before you pass the mic back over, <laughs> I want you to give our listeners a few, maybe not as detailed. I want us to do like a whole episode on items to get for recovery. What are some things that you saw make a patient's recovery easier while you were doing the home visits? A place to sit when you're showering, because a lot of times when you take that garment off for the first time, it's a lot of compression. When we take it off, that blood flow is going to the places that weren't there before. So you might get a little lightheaded or dizzy and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's completely normal. But just keep in mind when I'm in that shower, I might need to sit for a second if you're allowed to sit, depending on what procedure you had done. So I would definitely say if you want to buy the shower bench, shower stool, go for it. If not, just at least have a plan on what you're going to sit on. The detachable shower head definitely helps. The arrangement of where you're going to be for the beginning of your recovery, whether that's a recliner and you can borrow one from someone if you don't have one. If you're like, hey, I might need one anyway or, you know, I want one, start looking into it. And one of the things I always tell people, always, 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 is if you're going to be taking pain medication and you don't know, you could be someone who never takes pain medication in your life. I'll use myself as an example. I will fall asleep with 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. I do not take pain meds. But after my tummy tuck and my breast log, I believe the most painful thing for me was flank lipo. I remember remember begging my doctor immediately after my surgery for more than Tylenol 3. And I, and I know as a nurse that anytime you take any kind of pain medication with codeine, for example, that you have to think about, I'm not, you know, I need to be able to have a bowel movement and not have a hard time. Your tummy tuck patients, your lipo patients, anyone who had anything even remotely done to their abdomen, take a stool softener with your pain medication. A lot of patients I saw already had that information, but I would say at least half of them didn't. Or even if they did, they, they would just didn't think about it, didn't do it immediately with your first doses of pain medication, just do it. And it's not uncommon in any post-surgical setting, even not plastic surgery, that doctors a lot of times will prescribe pain medication and not even mention that you should take a soul soft. Oh, so yeah, major. they don't. So major. We so have to be the to ones. Say, to, hey, well, I, some yeah. some do, but some don't. And I know it's a cost thing, but I would definitely say that I, um, I would say 90% of the time I would see patients that just had one garment of the size that you use immediately and then one garment of the next step. So I would definitely say because of the fact that these garments usually have to be hand washed and have to air dry, if you can definitely invest in getting two of each size because it's going to get soiled. So you don't want to be wearing a soiled garment after your first shower and you're nice and fresh and you put the same one on. So I would definitely suggest getting two of each size so that you can use the clean one and, you know, the soiled one can be washed and air dry and do the right thing. Because sometimes people will be like, oh, that's too bloody. I can't put it back on. So they'll go without it for a couple of hours. They'll wash it in the washer and then put it in the dryer. Things we're not supposed to do, but oh, I got to do it because I don't have a an extra a one. A spare. And then... You know, I'm not there to help them get into it and they're having a hard time. It's just little things that you may not think about and you're like, oh, but that's another 100 plus, 200 plus. But it's worth it because you're not going to go without your garment, which is not just a a visual aesthetic thing. But I mean, it's a comfort thing also because your garment keeps you from having that additional pain from just not having some support. So I would definitely say those are like the top things, the top, top things for sure. I do want to add. A bed so liner. I'm gonna throw in there. You actually feel better in your garment than out. Oh yeah, would you agree? 100%. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is why I saw so many people were like, "Oh, but I only have this one." 
And I'm like, okay, you know, I just make the recommendation to definitely talk to your coordinator or your doctor about where they, you can get another one or if they happen to have one in the office it's that size. So you can uh, go ahead and have a backup for whenever it gets sold so you can wash it. And even if it's not soiled, like visibly with blood, like you don't want, I mean, it's a, it's a garment you're not wearing or in my situation. I mean, that was my underwear for, you know, it was my bra and my underwear for, you know, well, actually it was mostly just the underwear for four to six weeks. So, I mean... You don't want to be, you mean you wouldn't wear the same underwear right. <laughs> after you shower, right? So again, it's cost, but it's cost, it's worth it. So that you have that peace of mind. Like when I shower, I can go ahead and put a fresh and clean one on something you don't think about, but definitely I would arrange before your, before your surgery. So you're not having to go one either without it or having to put the same one on. True. Yeah. I, and some surgeons too, you basically come in for your post-op visit because they have to size you because you're right. going to go down with volume size. So, but most of them put you in a garment to, before you, they send you home in a garment. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and that's when she's seen them yes. initially. So and so you, when they come in for their post-op visit, then that's when you're like, okay, we need to get you in, into a second stage. Typically with us, when they leave their surgery center, it basically gives them an extra one because like what you said, you want one clean at all time and you don't want to have to wait for it to dry or put it in the dryer because you want it to air dry it's just the material for it right yeah <laughs> so yeah i, I do want to add also to get a liner for your bed if you've had liposuction a plastic bed liner will save your mattress 100 percent. because when you after liposuction you have a lot of drainage normal drainage that we expect after liposuction and it will be on your garment and it will get on your bed and wherever you lay. So something to protect your mattress. And it doesn't even have to be something like extremely expensive. Like if you're worried about cost, even just the ones that you use for like your pet, you know, like you get, those go a long way. Oh yeah. I mean, the, pe- the blue pads, right? Yeah. Cause medical grade at the medical supply store, you're going to get charged a lot Maybe more. Through two, three times as much. And I'm sorry, the pet ones work just fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you can just line them up, use a little tape, stick yeah. them together if you need more coverage. But for the most part, they'll cover the trunk of the average size. I mean, you know. I've actually had a patient use the large black trash bags mm-hmm. and they cut them. Then they'll tape them to the bed. Okay. Then they put the liners on top because they they might be in a hotel. Oh, yes. And they don't want, obviously. They don't want to stay on no, the mattress. Exactly. <laughs> no. So they'll do the bed liner, cut it in half, tape it, and then put the liners that you were seeing on top of it. People get it's creative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good. I think we had a really good conversation today. Let's recap, though. So your initial consultation. Okay. How do you find your surgeon? Ask for recommendations. Friends first. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. That's very powerful. Like we said, with hairdressers, nails, we do that for everything. We want to make sure that maybe we can have someone to speak to that Mm -hmm. had an experience that we can kind of share. Exactly. But definitely make sure that they're board certified plastic surgeons. You can go to plasticsurgery.org and search that, you know, depending on your zip zip code. code. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So ask for recommendations, look at their websites. Before and after pictures. Before and after pictures. Make sure you like consistently what you're seeing in their pictures. Mm -hmm. You want to pick at least three surgeons 
have three consultations. Yes. Three is good. I mean, and some patients, honestly, they don't need three. I want I I think three, though. I said, yes, I do suggest three. But you if you know that you like that surgeon and you know that that recommendation has come from your mom. Yeah. Multiple people or, you know, industry, whatnot then go for it. You know, you don't have to, but if you're that patient, that's like, Oh my gosh, I'm just starting to research it. I'm just starting to entertain it. Be open to the idea. Yes. Even being open to the idea of consultation. And for those patients are the ones that I think you need to listen to three different opinions, Mm -hmm. get three different vibes from three different surgeons, you know, feel out, Because you have to mesh with them. Yeah, you have to mesh. And I know a lot of the surgeons that we have and that we're used to seeing, you know, in the big names are men. And I know there's a lot of women that Mm -hmm. I love to empower. And I'm going to (laughs) say, if you are looking for a surgeon and you're a female and you've only seen male surgeons, do yourself a favor and just look do for it. a female. I mean, it's not just hurt. to just to feel yeah. a different vibe, right? And I've worked with both. I've worked with great, very talented male surgeons, and I've worked with great, very talented female surgeons. And I know I've seen personally patients who have told me they saw a male surgeon and didn't feel, you know, comfortable. And then they saw a female surgeon and they felt 100% and they were able to continue their journey. Right. Where if they hadn't searched for a female, their journey could have stopped. Right. They could have, you know, maybe plastic surgery isn't for me. Right. But it was just getting a different. So it's the connection. It's a connection. Right. So build a connection. So just make sure that you feel comfortable with your surgeon. I mean, feeling comfortable is... I can't even express to you how important that is because if you can't communicate with them, like we said, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. If you can't communicate with them, then it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So feel comfortable with the staff. Feel comfortable with the staff. Uh-huh. Are you comfortable with the price? Is mm-hmm. it pushing you out of your comfort zone? Yeah. We never want you to feel you know, out of something that you can afford. Right. You know, don't put yourself in a bind. Never put yourself in a bind. And I have patients that basically have money and they're like, oh, I have it. I can pay cash. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but you can do financing. (laughs) You can do financing at six months at 0% interest. Like you can still pay it off and there's no, we don't charge you extra for doing that. Mm -hmm. So don't put yourself in a bind, especially the younger generation you know, they're going to college or they're, yeah, you know, they have a lot of things. They going ha- on. Exactly. So, so and I do want to also, I'm going to do a whole episode on this because it's just so important. I feel mm-hmm. a medical tourism and I, what's yeah. pushing, you know, our patients to go out into other countries is cost because they think that it's because it's cheaper, but they don't factor in. Okay. The flights, the hotel, the hotel, Who's going to care for you afterwards? Aftercare. You have to pay for their flights, their hotels. And wh- how long are you going to be missing? And if there's Life. any complications, how do you get back to the surgeon? For example, if you're having a surgery 
this is recent where I met somebody who was having surgery in Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like that. It, and it was a rhinoplasty. I'm like, that's, that's you know, on so the other far side of the world. <laughs> we have great surgeons here. here. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a complication, how long is it going to take you to get to him? Yeah, exactly. So that's think the about, biggest Think thing. about all those things. Because you have to factor that in. So make sure that the price is within your budget. Yeah. And the surgeon is reachable. Let's see. Diana has really quick to chime in on the medical tourism. Working on a post-surgical floor for years, one of the biggest horror things just to, in a a nutshell, just to say, is seeing patients that had unforeseeable things that happened on their way back. And all of a sudden they have these infected, horrible wounds. One example, a lady that came back and it was during one of the hurricanes. So if you are going to do that, worst case scenario, if you are going to do the medical tourism, at least don't do it during hurricane season. I had somebody that her plane got rerouted to somewhere in Louisiana. They didn't let them get off the plane. So this person who anticipated being on a plane for only two to three hours ended up staying on a plane for, I want to say at least seven to eight hours. Not being allowed to get up and move around. Couldn't walk. Exactly. And this is like a full-blown mommy makeover. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm talking pubis lift. I'm talking they had they had removed some skin from her arms. So I know that the that incision had to be reopened and debrided. Her lift had to be reopened and debrided. And even the incision on her lower abdomen from their abdominal plasty had to be opened and debrided. I mean, these were very intense wounds. And this is someone who got on, I mean, went over i mean i went across the border thinking i'm just gonna fly right back and no big deal but unforeseeable circumstances can make things very bad so i know people do it all the time and they're fortunate to not have any complications and come back and recover just fine and can go and see their doctor post-op and everything's okay but sometimes things happen that are out of your control and all of a sudden you're stuck with these really intense infected wounds that you all of a sudden are stuck with because who wants to repair them over here Nobody. And can you blame them? <laughs> exactly. And that brings a good question is what is the policy for revisions? Oh, that's a good question to ask at your initial consultation. Right? Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of surgeons that are, you know, ethical, obviously, they're going to stand behind their work. Mm-hmm. Others are like, well, you get yeah, what you get. Yeah. You get what you get and don't throw fit. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. You get what you paid for. Exactly. But for the most part, the great surgeons out there, they will stand behind their work. And as long as you're being a good patient too, you have to remember you're communicating, you're showing up to your follow-up appointments, you're following instructions from the staff and the The medical assistants and this, you know, the surgeon, obviously, as long as you're doing your due diligence, then they usually will back you up and, Hey, if we need to get you back into surgery and, revise something or tweak something here or there they're fine and we say but you can't but you can't not show up to your appointments and and then then come back six months later and then say hey i don't like it and we're like well you haven't communicated you haven't (laughs) been there like you haven't haven't done what you said you were gonna do and you haven't followed our instructions you know so you have to remember that too but that i think that's a that's a Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> you made a very good point. Yeah. I have a you, whole episode Policy outlined. with revisions is a yeah. good question to ask at the initial consultation for Definitely. sure. Definitely. I have a whole outline on what the the real risks of medical tourism. And I, I'm going to invite Diana back on 
to do that episode with me. She's smiling right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're putting her on the spot. She loves it. No idea. Like the horror stories that I have from just seeing patients that have had like botched, botched, botched situations. Hold that thought (laughs) on the next episode. (laughs) So I hope you guys feel better after listening to this podcast. I want you to feel empowered when you walk into your initial consultation and just know like, I am going to ask all my questions and just listen to what they have to tell you. Make sure you take your notes. Make sure that you feel good after. If you feel like the if the staff was too pushy, if it feels salesy, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you want it to yeah. feel organic, authentic. If your office. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. Yeah, definitely. That's the best thing. We do that all the time. Why not do it for this? Exactly. If you click with your surgeon, the price matches, you like their results, Mm -hmm. you do your homework, you follow your post-op instructions, you're open with your surgeon, you're going to have a great journey. Yes. And you're going to be sitting on the beach with your margarita in your bikini (laughs) (laughs) feeling like, man, I'm so happy. Yes, I did this. I did it. I I was so glad for listening to Mavi's podcast. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I think that's it. We recap. That was a good recap. That was a good... Board certified plastic surgeon. Make sure that they perform these procedures in a hospital or a surgical facility that is accredited by the state. Make sure you feel comfortable with your surgeon, you know, and the staff. Make sure it is a board certified anesthesiologist, MD, mm-hmm. doing your anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. Making sure that you can reach them 24 hours, especially the first two weeks after surgery or their PA or whoever is in line. You know, with telemedicine, we can do anything you know facetime or whatever it doesn't matter you can send a picture and say hey is this normal or not if you need to speak to previous patients you know ask them that question that's that's okay too especially one that's has been in the industry for a long time they're gonna have plenty of patients that you can reach out to and the patients will actually be happy to they love speak to you you. yeah they love to promote happy a happy patient is just everything yeah. for a surgeon. Yeah. Do you like the before and after? Like you were saying, go to mm-hmm. their website and make sure that they have that going on. But yeah, I think it's just being comfortable. Comfortable. If you yeah, that's the walk out way of to there it. feeling, if you walk out of your consultation feeling like a boss, like yeah. I, I did that thing. <laughs> that's good. <and> that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it. The price matches. I like, oh, I like another them. thing too. Sorry to throw off, but a good surgeon or a good practice is not going to hold you to booking surgery within a certain time period because you shouldn't feel pressured to have an elective procedure. So a lot of the boards ethically, we don't promote patients having an elective procedure by a certain time. Correct. It should be when they're ready. When they're ready. Yeah. So if it's something like when a patient comes in and they're like, oh my gosh, this other surgeon, I said, I, ha- I have to have surgery within six weeks. And we're like, no, we're good for a year. Like yeah, come back you're whenever you're ready. Like we're not here to sell you something. Like don't we're ever, not in the business for that. But don't ever, if you're not ready, don't feel pressured. Don't feel pressured. Don't yeah. because this is your body. Correct. This is your recovery. Mm-hmm. And if you're not mentally, financially 
prepared financially for sure mentally financially and emotionally prepared yeah it's not right it's not the right time and it's my it's not the right time now it's not like oh you're never gonna but you can prepare for it right i mean you still have that opportunity but that's what the initial consultation is for it's a round table so you can meet with your surgeon you can meet with the coordinator you can meet with the staff you can get the information and then take it as you want it you know that's and that's what it's for for education the you're not having surgery that day no just (laughs) ask as many questions make sure that you feel heard and you feel like your questions have been answered yeah that's great that's great advice molly (laughs) (laughs) i think that's it i think that's the episode for today and just the being coachable you know coming from a nursing background i know that we we have to shut that you know, or even if you're healthcare period, if you have a healthcare background period, just trust the expert. Be your own advocate, of course, but trust your trust the expert because trust what we expert. think is what is in our head as the our norm or like our goal or what we think is the good thing for us or what we picture will look good may not necessarily look good, and we have to trust the expert. That's of course true. based on what you get. You know, like you said, your different consultations, what what you gather, or what's the most recommended thing. It may not be what you think was going to be the best for you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, trust the experts. Trust be the open-minded, experts. be coachable. <laughs> be open-minded and do your homework. Do your homework. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, you guys. You. We'll see y'all next All week. Right. Bye. Bye. I would like to end this episode with a huge thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to Big Butts No Lies Podcast and follow us on Instagram at Big Butts No Lies Podcast. If you have a topic you want me to cover, please send it to the DM. If you know anyone on their plastic surgery journey, be sure to recommend them the show. You can also visit us on our website, bigbuttsnolies.com. You'll see the online surgical recovery store. We're adding new items all the time. If there's something you think I need to have on there, send me a DM. (laughs) Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, new episodes every Monday. I'll see you then.